everybody. Welcome to another episode here of the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts from the side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, we're Tad the Side. And Tad, this is not your usual setup. This is a little different. I, I, it clearly looks like you're in a different room or a different area, or I don't know what's going on. You need to sort of fill me in here. <laughs> I'm happy to announce we are moving into a new studio with the Desai guys football. No, we're not. I really wish we were, though. That'd I be wish. Awesome. That'd be pretty awesome. That'd be One so day. great. One, One day, day, buddy. <laughs> One day we'll get there. But yes, no, I have moved. So, guys, I am so sorry about the, you know, gap in the latest episodes. That's my fault. It's very hard to produce a podcast while you're moving. Uh, I don't, for our longtime viewers and listeners, you might remember, the last time I tried to do that, I had to broadcast it from my phone. I do remember you that. You remember yep. that? Yep, I do I remember really that. I literally had a yeah. broadcaster for my phone, and it did not go well. And so we were just like, you know what? Why don't we just take a break here? And you know what? It was a well-earned break because we are now at that sweet spot. Now the Super Bowl is coming up between the season and you know draft season really starting to ramp up. So it was the perfect timing for a move. But yes, this is my new backdrop. We'll see if I – I'll spruce it up. I promise some things will go yeah, up on the wall. It's very bare right it's now. You very, see an like, padded room, right? Yeah, exactly. So you got we'll, that hallway right behind you. It's Yeah, it's yeah, kind so of weird. We need to work see, on this. We that's my bathroom this, right there. My bedroom yeah. is that that's, way. That's it's, not a good look. Know. No, it's not. We'll figure <laughs> it out. We'll, we'll, like I said, we'll figure it out. But yeah, no, new digs. It's pretty nice. But, uh, and plus, there's no place for Cap to make an appearance, and we got to fix that. So we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. But for now, it's looking good. Yeah, no, congrats on the new place, buddy. So hopefully this is a good place for you. And uh, yeah, kind of like you were saying, Tad, it's a little bit of a good place for us because this week here, we got the East-West Shrine game happening on Thursday. We got the Senior Bowl happening on Saturday. Like you said, we got two weeks from the Super Bowl, and then right after that is going heavy into the offseason. That's where we're going to be getting to the combine. That's where we're going to get to pro days. Obviously, you got the NFL offseason, so like free agency is going to affect a lot of things as far as how these teams are going to affect their draft strategy by signing guys as opposed to drafting guys. So, I mean, yeah, this is a little bit of a tease before we really get heavy into the draft season as far as everything that we're going to be throwing your way as far as rankings and big boards and hopefully some guests and we're going to go hard into a lot of content but yeah definitely we wanted to get to you a good episode today like we talked about we got the east west shrine game happening on thursday so we want to give you a preview we took a look at the rosters we got the east west shrine game practices are happening already uh in frisco texas tad so right in your neck of the i world. just found that out while i was doing research so i'm like oh shit it's like right in my neighborhood that's only like because frisco is where you and i went to go see the video game museum right Yes, that's exactly where it was. Because I remember I was like, oh, we should go stop by the Cowboys. And you're like, no, we're not doing that. No, <laughs> so, no. But yes, yeah, so it's right near neck of the woods, Tad. That's where they're having Senior Bowl practices. and that. Uh, sorry, East-West Shrine Game Bowl practices. And that's where the East-West Shrine Game is going to be as well. So we want to give you a quick preview going through the roster. We're going to give you a few uh, LAFB networks. So we're going to give you a few USC and UCLA prospects that are going to be playing in this game. And then there's also a couple guys that me and Tad want to highlight as far as they can have good practice weeks as well as good games to potentially raise their draft stock as we get into draft season here but before we get into today's episode tad we definitely have to give a shout out to our wonderful sponsors over at underdog fantasy i mean just a great way to get into some betting action as well as fantasy action because they have a great platform for a fantasy type of uh um 
service, I guess you should say, called Best Ball. So instead of your standard fantasy uh, sports, redraft leagues, keeper leagues, what have you, this is Best Ball. So you literally draft an entire lineup. You draft it at the beginning of the year. That's it. It's the, you know, the rubber, the Ron Popeil, the uh, rotisserie oven, set it and forget it. That's exactly what best ball is. So it's like you literally just draft your roster, you set it, and you don't have to worry about any sort of ads or drops or waiver wire or trades or, you know, worrying about injured players. Underdog takes care of all of that. So you have your roster. It optimizes your lineup each and every week. So you don't even have to worry about leaving a guy on the bench and having him go off and starting a different guy and he ends up throwing a dud for you. Underdog takes care of all of that. They give you the optimized lineup each and every week. So you have the max points possible. So it's really just an easy way to get into some fantasy action without having to worry about all these extra things that you have to worry about with, you know, like we talked about waivers and trades and start sits and all of that it just gets eliminated. A nice, fun, easy way to get to fantasy action. But I think the platform that we love most about Underdog Fantasy, me and Tad love the betting aspect where you pick anywhere between two to five different prop picks. And depending on how many picks you make, you get that much more money and you can bet on the NFL. You can bet on the NBA. MLB is going to be starting up in about a month. You got college basketball. They got a lot of sports. So you just pick those two to five different prop bets. And if you get them all right, you get that much more money. And it's just a really fun and easy way to get into sports betting as well. And Tad, we want to get you into the action there. So that's why our good friends at Underdog Fantasy gave us a promo code. The promo code is DESAI, D-E-S-A-I. And you can double up on your initial deposit of $10 or more up to $500 using that promo code DESAI. And, I mean, it's just they match you dollar for dollar up to $500, like I said. So, I mean, hypothetically, if you were to put in $500 on your account on your first deposit, only the first one, they will match that dollar for dollar. And you can bet with up to $1,000 on their platform then by just using our promo code DESAI, D-E-S-A-I. So, I mean, Tad, it's a great platform. We love using it, love doing it for betting. And it's just one of the great partnerships that we've been lucky to have on our podcast here. Absolutely. And look, if you're like my friend group where you are NFL betting, for lack of a better word, junkies, and you know, you're kind of sad that the season's coming to an end. By the way, keep you know tuning in because our Super Bowl best bets episode is definitely coming out very, very soon. Um, it's okay. Your season's not over because luckily Amur follows the NBA way more closely than I do, but I also follow the NBA very closely now all my friends are hitting me up for like hey what are some good nba bets to place i got you and immers got you there so just because the football season's coming to an end does not mean that the betting season's coming to an end that's the best thing about betting season it never sure. comes to an end so that pro 365 and you know what else that applies to <laughs> that promo code right there so that is not ending at the end of football season that goes all year long so we will potentially hit you up with more nba bets mlb bet we are definitely doing mlb bets dude we are for sure doing that. So we can do that. We can do that. We're going all year long to make you money. And guys, like I said, I've said this on every video I we've had since they partnered with us. Underdog is the most better friendly site I've ever seen in my life. They try to make you money while other sites try to take your money out of your pocket. And so if you need some good tips, keep tuning in because we are going to keep it going. And as always, use that promo code right there. And they will match your first deposit up to $500. I did not believe them. I deposited $250 using our own promo code. I was like, oh, dear God, I now have $500 to bet on. And you know what? 
I got a positive number in that account. So everything's going good, and we're going to keep that ball rolling. 100%. So use that promo code DESAI, D-E-S-A-I, to double up our initial deposit of $10 or more, up to $500 on the Underdog Fantasy platform. And so that's the promo stuff. We love partnering them. But, Tad, let's get into today's episode. Like we talked about, we're going to be giving you a preview of the East-West Shrine game, which is happening on Thursday on NFL Network. And, I mean, Tad, it's a really great game. Unfortunately, they eliminated the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl, so they only have the two bowls here. And then there is a third bowl game, but that is strictly for the uh, – historically black colleges and universities. So that's the HBCU Legacy Bowl. So we will be doing a preview of that one a little bit later. That happens towards the end of February as opposed to right now. But yeah, these are the two main ones that you have here that are happening right now. And to add this the first year, I think we brought this up on the podcast before, is the first year that underclassmen are eligible for both of these bowls as well. So I mean, I know they call it the Senior Bowl, but I underclassmen are eligible keep, keep for the, the Senior Bowl. Keep the Senior Bowl the Senior Bowl. I'm going to come off as the old guy here, but come on. Like the this the Shrine Bowl is great. In yeah. fact, I, I, I shouldn't say that. Like you know, exile not exile, but you know, like just like seniors are not allowed. That's not fair because there are some seniors who get cut from the Senior Bowl. But I don't know, man. Like the the Senior Bowl being open to juniors, it's just like what are we doing here? That's fair. That's fair. But I think they just obviously want to cultivate just you know the know, game a little I bit know. more. They want to bring more talent, obviously, because not all seniors obviously want to participate either. So, I mean, this is just a chance for them to grow that game just a little bit further, too. And so, yeah, you got underclassmen in both the Senior Bowl as well as the East-West Shrine game. So, Ted, we're obviously going to be previewing the Shrine Bowl today. Maybe later this week we'll get into the Senior Bowl. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely want to start with, obviously, us being part of the LEFB network. Let's start with some USC and UCLA prospects we're not gonna spend a ton of time on these guys because obviously you had to wait for the game to be over but just some guys that could definitely raise their stock so let's start with the usc side um they got three players that are gonna be participating they got the wide receiver todd washington they got the edge rusher solomon bird and that they got the defensive back christian roland wallace so i mean i'm gonna save todd washington for the end here because there's actually quite a bit i want to talk about him there so i want to talk about solomon bird here it's a little bit tough to find tape on this guy, but I had to watch bit, some yeah. actual I had to watch some actual like game highlights to find his number and be able to see him a little bit. And I think he's got some potential, but I think he's going to be a very raw prospect to add. I definitely want to get your thoughts on him after I sort of give my spiel here. Um shows good power coming off the edge based on what I was able to see. He only came off the right side. So he was only attacking the right tackle and the right side of the offensive line as opposed to being moved to either side of the left as well as the right. And he definitely wasn't coming up the middle so you have to wonder whether he's only comfortable on that one side so that could definitely limit his you know availability going to the next level and just how much a defense can then use him so he's going to be a very selective pass rusher so that's going to hurt his stock for sure um a lot of the times unfortunately he got swallowed up by opposing offensive linemen because he didn't have a very varied pass rush skill set like i mean he pretty much had a bull rush attack and very few instances did i see like a rip move or like a move over move sort of like you know the mr miyagi wax on wax off move like i kind of saw that a few times but it was like once in a blue moon he was mainly going for just that pure power that bull rush attack um 
didn't drop into coverage because I think the one or two times I no, saw him drop into coverage. No, you can't do that. That's a terrible yeah, idea. Exactly. The one or two times I did see him actually drop into zone coverage, like you could see that he was very like a fish out of water. Like, I mean, his change of direction was terrible. He barely could recognize where the receiver was. It was like pretty bad. So this guy's purely a pass rusher. Maybe he could develop that pass rush. Uh, sorry, excuse me, that pass coverage skills over the course of this practice week and obviously through the draft process if he gets invited to the combine. Um, and definitely at his pro day. But yeah, that is definitely a skill that he is lacking. Um, I think, yeah, just the biggest thing is just he needs a strong practice week to sort of develop that pass or skill set. Maybe he can sort of be taught something as far as like, you know, the spin move or maybe like, you know, some counter moves, something else that can sort of he can add to his repertoire. Because, yeah, as of right now, he is just a one trick pony and that is not going to help you at the next level. Um, he doesn't have the greatest speed either. So I think when you don't have that speed, you have to have a lot of tools in your tool belt as far as trying to get out to the opposing quarterback. So that's what I saw off the limited tape that I was able to find. But Tad, did you see anything that, you know, maybe I didn't cover here with Solomon Bird? Yeah, I think his athleticism is super interesting. And I say interesting yeah. because I can't quite get a feel for it. Like Got you it. said, he yeah. was attacking one side of the offensive line and I was like, go. Okay. Okay, is it just yeah. because you're more athletic than these guys, or is that? <laughs> it's just I. It's they utilize him very well. I will say that. Mm -hmm. And another thing that's interesting is he's currently measuring and is six three, two hundred fifty pounds. I'll be very interested to see if he comes in at that because he looks smaller. And yes, salute to Troy. I did say a USC player looks small. Like I, I yelled at for that. I'm like, how can you say this player looks small? I'm like, cause he, that they yeah. they did not appreciate that. I did not that I do not appreciate the school measure. Surprisingly, Ted, the comments were very kind. Very to you. civil. You, you did not very get civil. All right, based on that episode, I was surprised that you did not get ripped apart in the comments. I was <laughs> pleasantly surprised. Was my reaction. <laughs> yes. But uh, but yes, I'm gonna call yet another USC player smaller than he's listed because. He just plays smaller than 6'3", 250. And I know people are already going to go, that's pretty small for DN. And it absolutely is, but he just plays smaller than that. I'm not even joking. While I was watching his tape, there was a play. Uh, oh, God, who are they playing? I want to say, I can't remember who they were playing, but I'm not even joking. Like, this offensive lineman went a little too high on him, and he just, like, ducked behind his arms. Like, he literally, and the reason I'm doing this for our YouTube audience is, like, he put his arms above the offensive lineman's arms and just kind of got past him. You're not doing that in the NFL. You're not doing it. And so I think he's just smaller and more athletic in college than people anticipate. So that's why I say interesting because I could see him being a little bit of an Aaron Donald type of like, he's tiny. How is he doing this to us? And like, cause he does have that type of athleticism potential, but he needs to go to the right team. This is an absolute team fit of like, it entirely depends on how they use him. And on top of everything else, I think, you know, the potential is there. He's a day three guy at best. He's, his, his measurements aren't there. Like you said, there's way too much work to be done. But at the same time, depending on how that day three list shakes out, he could be at the top of the day three list for me going into that, which also could be a potentially good episode is day, you know, top day three list heading in there rather than do another five hour live stream. Let's not do that. But um, I he's a, he's an interesting prospect to look out for, but I don't see him as a huge riser. But he is on the edge of, does this guy get drafted? Does this guy not? And speaking of which, I have a massive name on that list. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, let's get to the defensive back here, Christian Roland Wallace. And this is, once again, another guy that was hard to find tape on. I pretty much had to watch some game highlights once again. Um, based on what I was able to see, Tad, I pretty much I'd love to get your opinions on this one, too. He seems like he's going to be a zone quarter. Like, pretty much off the skill set that I saw, I don't think he could be a press man corner in that type of zone. Uh, that, that type of scheme, excuse me. Like, I think if he was a zone corner, like if they asked him to be a nickelback in his uh, in his sort of zone scheme, or maybe even drop him into a converted safety, like maybe he'd be... Oh, damn it! Fuck I'm you, sorry. dude! I'm sorry. Damn it! But it's just like, based on the skill set that I saw, it just, he wasn't very physical at the line. It seemed like he just didn't understand how to sort of play that man coverage type of role. But in the zone coverage, he looked a lot more comfortable there um he didn't have the greatest awareness when he was trying to detect run plays so he just like he was very much de uh dependent on the pass coverage plays as opposed to run play he came to the play very late um he does have good speed i did see a few plays where unfortunately there's a running play that was going to the other side but he's running across way across the other field other side of the field and he's able to catch up with the runner and he's able to make plays that way so he does have some good speed as far as making some catch-up plays that way um shows good ball skills like he wasn't really thrown to that much based on the tape that i saw but just based on some articles that i was reading it seems like he's got some good high point uh a bit uh, high point uh, skill set he could high uh, he could definitely have some good ball skills as well uh doesn't always get his head around and i think that's because of that he's able to sort of sense that timing and gets his hands up there but i think very similar to solid bird i think there's a lot that he needs to work on this week and definitely through the draft process but i don't even see him getting drafted honestly like i think there's just a lot to work on that it's like maybe he gets drafted he's going in the seventh round but unfortunately i see him as a priority undrafted free agent but tell me if you see anything different I hate you. <laughs> so, okay. All right, all right. Our first draft episode, if I'm not mistaken, our first draft episode on this show, at least, since we've done our mock draft. Am I correct there? Correct. Okay. So, I have a great Joe Alts hot take. You seal that. Yeah. <laughs> I did. And then I have another great USC hot take. And then you steal that, too. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're a dick. <laughs> this is what happens when you go into year two and I'm, I'm not, more prepared. I hate you so much. I you should have taken like full advantage of last like year this. because now I'm going to get more prepared than this you. This is terrible. <laughs> we made a huge – it's the arrested development thing of like I made a huge made a mistake. Huge mistake. <laughs> Literally one of my notes is he would be better at safety. Because, yes, no, I mean, you know who like he kind of reminds me at, at safety? And I think at this point this is actually a pretty apt comparison – it's Jamal Adams. Okay. This dude, okay. I watched, and you are right, man, finding his tape is tough. And all, uh, also, uh, one thing I'll say is it's hilarious doing scouting now because I'm just like, oh, you play for Arizona. Oh, you played, you know, player exactly. coming up on, on this list. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, he used to play for Hawaii. Okay. And uh, I was like, all right. So, yes, he used to play for Arizona. So I watched a lot of his Arizona tape, uh, okay. not a whole okay. lot of his USC tape. But my God, is this man a hard hitter. Yeah. Like all this stuff I could that. find. I was like, oh, dear God. I was like, oh, oh. It was like, you know, when you watch the wipeout videos on YouTube and the yep. entire time people are just like, oh. Yep. Like that's you turn into Italian all of a sudden. You're just like, hey. Like, oh. Just, hey. Um, that's not, that's still okay, right? That's fine. Okay. We're Indian. It's all right. It's better um, than the other stuff you brought up before, which was a lot more sketch for sure. So I'm just saying those Patriots <laughs> like them, like them some white receivers. That's all I'm saying. Point being is, 
he is one of the hardest hitting corners that I, and yes, I've only watched a little bit of it, but like, I'm telling you, that's how hard some of these hits are. It's like, I am truly like, you're a corner. Yeah. And then it makes a lot more sense when I watch him in man coverage. I'm like, okay, now it makes sense. Cause yes, no, his man coverage skills are not good. They're just not good. But his own coverage skills, I mean, I won't like rave about them, but they're solid. They're all around solid. There's enough there to you know have some NFL potential. So yeah, I see a move to safety as being a good uh, you know, move for him in the future in the NFL. So um I think if he tests well, which I think he will, especially when it comes to the strength testing, as I said, he's a very hard hitter, which usually equates to good strength testing numbers. Um so yeah, I like him as a developmental guy uh, again, but now here's the team, unfortunately, that kept coming to mind as I was watching him. Like, you know, a team that could really do well with him because they could, they don't have an immediate need for safety or corner, but they could really use him in situational downs as a rookie and they could get him late. He'd make a damn good Texan. D'Amico yeah. Ryan could figure out what to do with him. And that's he why I mean, it's like use him as a project guy. That's for exactly sure. like he is. If he goes to the right team as you know, like the long-term development guy, he can be good. So there's a lot of promise there. Again, that's he's an interesting, like sixth or seventh round, a, a name I'm going to keep my eye on. Yeah. I think he's definitely a project guy. Like I said, he's probably going to go undrafted, but it would surprise me if somebody takes a chance at him in the seventh, like you Just said, where it's like they see the potential. Yeah. Exactly. They see the potential. They see the hard hitting. You could use that on special teams as like a gunner, definitely for sure. You know? So it's like, I could see him possibly going into the seventh, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up going undrafted. So let's bring up the last USC guy. And I'm actually not going to spend a lot of time with him because we brought him up in our uh, episode where we did with our good friend Alfred Rowe on the Salute to Troy podcast. And we brought up this receiver, Taj Washington, on that episode as well. But the only reason that I do want to bring him up for a little bit is that I've been watching some highlights of him on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. It's Twitter. Just- it's Twitter. We're not giving him, we're not giving he who must not be named. <laughs> the the satisfaction it's twitter well let's just go broad and just say social media the video the bird. That on the social bird. Media. <laughs> um he's been killing it during his practices like i mean there's a lot of times where he's showing really good route ring skills he's sharp on his in cutting routes his comeback routes are looking very strong he's very strong hands as far as catching the ball really well and he's really just making it hard on all the defenders that are on him. And I mean, I brought this up in that episode that we did with Al is that he is definitely going to be a good receiver, but the only problem with him is that maybe he could develop this and maybe a team can utilize it. Maybe similar to Baltimore using Zay flowers is just, he is a slot guy. That is the way USC used him. He was not used on the outside at all. They obviously had other guys like Brendan Rice on the outside. So it's like, why would you need to put Todd Washington on the outside? But maybe that's something depending once again, wherever he lands, they can use him on the outside. Like I said, very similar to like a tank Dell in Houston or as a flowers in Baltimore. But as of right now, I see him as a very strong slot quarter, a slot player, I should say. And He's looking really good, though, because he's still a very good blocker. He's got the good speed. Based on what I think of these practices, he seems like he's taking that next step and really showcasing against all these other talent as well. So, I mean, yeah, he's a guy that I could see possibly going in like the third or fourth round, so very late day two or early day three. But depending on how this draft process goes, he could really cement himself as a day two guy as opposed to like a fringe day two, day three guy. But just, yeah, based on practices, he seems like he's a guy that's on the rise. I agree 
with everything you just said is, uh, you know, because, yes, no, this guy, I don't see him developing as, you know, a dependable number one receiver. It was funny because when I first started watching his tape a couple weeks ago and then when I started doing it again in preparation for this episode, the one comparison I wanted to keep making was he looks like Devontae Smith, especially the way that Kingsbury and, you know, I was like, he's Devontae Smith. You can use him like that, but he just didn't quite give it off. And I was just, and by the way, Kingsbury, to his credit, used him in some very creative ways. Um, I, I know this USC offense got a, a little too much hate, in my opinion. I think this USC offense is better than people give it, or was better than people give it credit for. Um, I think I found a good comparison. I think I finally found it. Okay. Okay. Barry Sanders. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm doing the bit. But uh, no, in all actuality, I actually do feel good about this because, yes, I'm with you. He's not – I don't think he's going to be that dependable receiver slot or otherwise um, that you can really depend on. But he's just kind of like the overall weapon that doesn't really going to – he's not really going to blow up the sad sheet. But you can just depend on him to make some good plays in a very explosive offense if he goes to the right team. I think this is Isaiah Pacheco 2.0. Isaiah Pacheco. Interesting. Right? Kind of like a not as much of a running back role, obviously, because he's a receiver. Pacheco's a running back. But that kind of just like he's an all-around athlete. There's a reason Pacheco wears number 10. Is he's kind of that all-around athlete where it's just like, just put him on the field and, you know, he'll get you like five or six yards. He won't break it out for like, you know, a 70-yard touchdown like Deshaun Jackson. But you can depend on him to make some plays. Like he just reminds me a lot of Isaiah Pacheco, where if you can just utilize his athleticism in a very smart way, he can get some positive yardage for you. So I actually, I think I like that comparison. I think I'm going to ride with that for the rest of the offseason. That's not bad. That's not bad. And I don't know whether you did this intentionally, but you bring up Isaiah Pacheco actually transitioned us really nicely into our UCLA prospect talk now for the Shrine Bowl. And that's the guy that I want to bring up at the top here. And that's Carson Steele, the running back for UCLA. Mm, and honestly, your honestly, with the tape that I was watching, I was like, he looked very similar to a running style and just a type of playing style as Isaiah Pacheco. Like he wasn't particularly fast. Like you said, he wasn't particularly like, you know, just a guy that just looks smooth. Like you brought up Barry Sanders, like that guy, looked amazing when he's running the ball it's like this is a running back not shifty not i'm glad you brought that word he's not shifty barry sanders he's not elusive well some people may dispute that claim but like yeah it was just it was smooth exactly smooth it just looked effortless you look at walter payton there's a reason they called him sweetness you just look at these guys and they're like that is a running back with Carson Steele and Isaiah Pacheco, like, there's so many memes I see on social media where it's just, like, it's, like, these plodding guys, and it's just, like, these weird sort of, like, runners and stuff. Like, he has a very weird running style, but regardless what it is, it's effective. And that's exactly what I saw with Carson Steele as well, where it's, like, it doesn't look smooth, it's not graceful, but, I mean, he was able to get things done. We're talking about transfers, Tad. He is a transfer from Ball State. He transferred to UCLA yep. for his final season there. I mean, he shows good balance. He shows a start and stop ability to sort of get away around defenders. Um, bulldozer, too. So, I mean, he's willing to go through contact to get past defenders that way. Um, but like I said, I think just the biggest thing is just he doesn't lack that sort of elite level skill in any particular field. So he doesn't have that elite speed. He's not an elite, like, you know, break tackle type of guy. He could break some tackles, but not like he's a true bulldozer like a Jerome Bettis or a Jay Ajayi or something like that. 
He doesn't have, you know, elite pass catching skills. Like he catch the ball. They definitely threw him some passes, but it's not anything that's going to make you be like, oh, this is like the next Matt Forte. Oh, this is the next LaShawn McCoy. That is definitely Matt not the case. Forte? Matt Forte <laughs> is a go-to there. Hey, Matt Forte was a very gifted pass catching back during hey, his I mean, that's Chicago. fair, but we're going back to 2010. 20, hey, come on. 2009. Remember him for his pass catching ability. So Dude, I got to go God, there. But yeah, he's definitely not going to remind you of any of those. Who are you going to mention next? Michael James? Hey, Michael James, former Niner. I knew you appreciate that one. <laughs> uh, but I think just the big thing is because he lacks all those skill sets, he's going to have a little bit of a harder time getting past NFL defenders because they are bigger, they are faster, they are stronger. And so he's able to do it at the college level. So it just worries me a little bit just whether he can sort of translate that skill to the next level. But once again, like I said, Isaiah Pacheco is able to get it done. So maybe he can sort of use that same skill set to just sort of be that effective guy where it's like he's not going to wow you on any play, but he's just going to be that sort of like death by a thousand paper cuts where he's like just going to do a little bit, a little bit, a little bit and be a key contributor for any offense that lands him. So I think he's going to be a good player at the next level, but I think it just really once again depends on where he lands. One thing I also saw, Tad, is that he was not the best pass blocker, so I don't know if he's going to see all three downs at the next level. Like, he was literally like a cut blocker. Like, there's a few times where he was standing up and a pass rusher was coming right in his face. He got pancaked. So I mean, that's something he'll have to work on as far as setting a good base, being able to absorb the contact, and actually set up a wall for the quarterback to either scramble out or make a quick play that way. But just, yeah, based on the tape that I saw, he was not a good pass blocker in that sense, more of a cut blocker. So a lot that he can work on. I think that's what the senior, uh, the practices are for this week and the draft season. But I think he could find a good role with the team at the next level. No Sean Marino. <laughs> no Sean Marino's a good one too. I like that one. Jonathan Stewart. Jonathan Stewart was a pretty good pass catcher too. I like that one. I like that one. <laughs> Uh, no, it's actually funny. The reason, so for our YouTube audience, they saw me kind of laughing as you were giving your whole description of, you know, everything that you said about steel. And the reason is I was laughing is because I agree with everything you said. My notes are exactly the same thing. He does everything well. He yeah. doesn't do anything great. Exactly. And, uh, it's just funny. Cause I, I feel like I have a very different running back to compare him to because okay. yeah, he does have kind of a funky little running style, and this is the same guy that I was very wrong on, where I, I said when this guy was in the draft process, he's not going to be good for all these reasons. I'm like, he does everything well. He doesn't do anything great. He's going to be a you know number two back for a couple of years, and he's going to wash out, and blah, 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 and I trash on him all offseason. And lo and behold, like, I don't know, five or six years later, he's still in the league and honestly had a pretty solid season this past year. Uh, he reminds me a lot of James Conner. James Conner, I can see that. I can see that. Right? Like, he's not he's not going to kill you with the top end speed. No, he's definitely not. He's weirdly kind of elusive for his size. Yeah, but I he's saw also that on the kind of saw, yeah. weirdly a little bit of a trucker. Like, he just, I don't yeah. know, everything about him, like, kind of reminded me of James Conner, where it's like, what are you, like, great at? It's like, nothing. Yeah. What are you bad at? Nothing. Just like, <laughs> exactly. I, uh, okay. Right there. The there. Of, like, yeah, everything. exactly. It's exactly. just exactly. like, it's all right. Okay. 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 And you're just sitting there like, all right, I guess you're just fine at everything. And James Conner has turned that into his niche. And uh, yeah, no, the entire time I was watching him, I was just like, God, you're just you're just James Conner. So, no, I completely 100% agree with everything you said. So whether it's Zay Pacheco, James Conner, I think that Carson Steele is a very, very interesting kind of. Now, it's again, with and I'm going to say this a lot this offseason. It depends on the fit. 
If he mm-hmm. goes to, Excellent. let's say, Washington, I think he gets buried on the depth chart. Oh, easily, easily. Uh, if he goes to uh, Tampa Bay, that's interesting. He could be a different, like, change of pace back to Rashad White. So it all depends on the situation he lands on. Uh, ooh, how about this? Indianapolis. That'd be interesting. <laughs> I'm just saying. Add it to I'm the list saying. of all the other players that the no, Colts are going to draft. No, no, no. Blake Corum is going to be the new backup in Indianapolis. Oh I'm just saying. Blake if, Corum, Troy Franklin, all these guys. <laughs> no, not Troy Franklin. I want Keon Coleman. That's my boy. You said Troy Flake, Franklin, too, at one point. So I said Troy like, Franklin back in, like, August. <laughs> I can change my mind. Now it's Keon Coleman. But, yes, no, I mean, he's just an interesting, not change of pace back, but just a good, dependable kind of uh, – well, Devin Singletary really blew up this year, so he's no longer a good example. But um, kind of like a uh, Zach Moss. Zach Moss is a great example of this. It's like kind of a – not change of pace, but like a very dependable, good backup that, like I said, could end up being like, oh, shit, you can actually kind of carry this running game with you. I could see Steele doing that for a team. Not right away. Let me clarify yeah. that. But like eventually getting to that point would not shock me in a couple of years. He could carve out a role with the backfield, I think, for sure. But just, yeah, I don't see starting potential with him, just with the skill set that nah, he has, unless he nah. really improves on it. Complimentary back. Good exactly. complimentary back being a ceiling. I think so. I think so, for sure. All right, the next three guys are all defensive guys, and they're all linebackers or edge rushers. So the guys that we're going to bring up are Darius Buasau, Grayson oh, Murphy. Okay. What were you saying? I, You don't want to know. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> so Darius Buasau, the linebacker from UCLA, and then the brothers, twin brothers, Grayson Murphy and Gabriel Murphy, the edge rushers for UCLA. So let's start with Darius Buasau. I mean, he just shows good quickness off the line of scrimmage. He can get around blockers with his strong hands. Um, he is a smaller linebacker, but he does have the intelligence and able to play and sort of like, you know, football IQ to play that inside linebacker or Mike linebacker role at the next level. So, I mean, we'll see if that can translate for sure. Um, shows good technique as a tackler. That's definitely what you want as a inside linebacker for sure. Uh, picks up the ball carrier really easily. The read and react skills are pretty strong with him. Um, the only thing is just, I see him as a two down linebacker. His pass coverage skills are not that strong. I think they dropped him into coverage a few times. But just once again, very similar to like we were talking about with Solomon Bird. I just didn't see enough like, you know, good skills with him that he could sort of become a true three down linebacker like a, you know, Darius Leonard in his heyday. Uh, Fred Warner, obviously a Roquan Smith. That he He's so still in his heyday. How dare you? He's not they cut him oh, and the Eagles are probably going to move was on. A from cost him. <laughs> that was a cost saving move. <laughs> Say whatever you want, but just unfortunately, all the injuries, I'll, I'll chalk it up to injuries. He's dealt with a lot of there injuries. We yeah, we'll career. do that. All right. Fair compromise. Yeah. Um, I think he tends also sometimes with his aggressiveness, he over pursues some runners sometimes. He sometimes falls victim to like some counter moves and some, you know, just like not recognizing the play fully. Um, I think just biggest thing is just he needs to improve his coverage skills if he wants to become a more well-rounded linebacker at the next level. So, I mean, what did you see with Darius Buasau that you want to bring up here? I actually kind of disagree with you. I think the pass coverage okay. is his biggest strength. Um, okay. But right. I will say this. For his biggest strength, it wasn't that good. It wasn't good <laughs> enough where I was just like, wow. Like, it didn't blow me away. But I was like, all right, dude, I mean, if you're going to find your niche in this league and you need to, uh, yeah, that's, that's the niche to find. So I think he's the perfect kind of like sub in 
I think the only way he succeeds in the NFL is if he goes to a zone-heavy scheme because he did make a really good play against Utah in particular where it was mostly because of the play setup, but he did have the athleticism to pull off a red zone interception. Technically, Utah wasn't in the red zone, but the interception was at like the five-yard line. Um, So he does have a very good ability to read the defense, but I think that's that's his ceiling is, you know, this, this reeks of a guy who is at the top of my list of if I'm a GM, I'm calling him as soon as soon as that draft clock hits zero. After, you know, the next Brock Purdy is drafted, I'm like, all right, I'm calling this guy up. Um, but I'm not drafting him. There's too much work to be done. Exactly like you said, there's just he's he's undersized. Even his zone coverage, which I said is, I think, his biggest strength. You call it his biggest weakness. That shows you what a wide array of. Yeah tape you can find on that so look there's some promise there but in terms of just general like can he become a full-time starter is he the next fred warner of like hey we drafted this guy in the you know when was fred warner draft fifth round third round pick third round pick well it, okay can we get this guy if anyone takes him in the third round you made a massive mistake <laughs> um but Agreed. like can we take this guy Agreed. in one of the later rounds and find a full-time starter no no, he's not there, but he, there is some promise there for a situational player that I like as long as he goes to a zone-heavy scheme. I like it. I like it. All right, so let's talk about the Murphy brothers here. Gabriel Murphy has a little bit more of the skill set compared to Grayson Murphy. I think Grayson Murphy is probably going to be a sixth or seventh round pick, possibly undrafted. Um, he's got some good moves, but I think just unfortunately it's just a lot that he needs to develop still. Um, I think the biggest thing with Gabriel Murphy, we're not going to spend a ton of time on Grayson Murphy, but with Gabriel Murphy – he got overshadowed by the guy playing opposite him, Laitu Latu. I mean, that guy is going to be a possible top 10 pick in this year's draft draft class. Uh, but Gabriel Murphy shows a really good skill set as well. I mean, superb handwork. He's very good at disengaging the offensive lineman that he's coming across and just very fast off the ball. Strong upper body. He's also got a good lower center of gravity. So, I mean, he can easily shed blockers to get into the backfield pretty easily. Good anticipation off the line of scrimmage. I mean, I've seen a lot of things that just like he's just instantly in the backfield, just recognizing that this is a play he needs to go attack, get into the backfield, stop the ball carrier, stop the quarterback, whatever it is. Good reaction speed. Um, there are some instances where I didn't see the cleanest technique when he was tackling. So, I mean, that's something that he definitely needs to improve. But as a pass rusher, that's something you can sort of overlook. If he was an inside linebacker, like we were talking about with Darius Muisau, that's definitely something you 100% need to clean up. But yeah, as an edge rusher, as long as you sort of get in the backfield, create that pressure, and if you can sort of get hands on the ball carrier or quarterback, then you can sort of get some cleanup efforts by your teammates there. So, I mean, but still, it helps to tackle because obviously you want to get that ball carrier down as fast as you can, even as edge rusher so i mean that could definitely use some help as well um cover skills i don't think this is a guy that they're going to drop no, into coverage no. as an edge rusher for sure but in case he does land on a team then that's something he will need to work on for sure but there's a lot to like with gabriel murphy like i i see him as possibly like a fourth round edge rusher i think he's got a lot of potential but i think that's what it is it's a lot of potential he's seeing a lot of raw skills but i think it's just a lot of development so i can see him as an early day three pick but seems like with that face that you gave me for all our Podcast listeners, Tad gave you a very like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, buddy. Face. He's definitely looking like he's got a different opinion here with Gabriel Murphy. But what are your thoughts on Gabriel Murphy? Why do I want to sick the LAFB people on me so badly? Why do I do this <laughs> I to myself? Know. I, I just, really don't. I just, I, I had to be objective here. 
Look, I there was a lot of stuff I liked about him, but my biggest thing, I'm not even joking, this is my first note with him um, after our YA. I, I could not put this note fast enough under his name. Where do you put him? That's a fair point. Wait, I mean, where uh, he's he's you know supposedly you know, around six three, six four, two hundred fifty, two hundred sixty pounds. I don't think he's that big. He looks a lot smaller than that, and you know, so he's not quite big enough for the three four edge rusher. You can't put him as a pure edge rusher. He's definitely not big enough for a full time four three, full time defensive end. He'll get swallowed there in the NFL. I just I don't see where you do it. He doesn't have the athleticism to really elevate his game at the next level. I think I think his peak is his ceiling is a, a situational pass rusher, which is fine. I mean that's a that's a good little niche to car, uh, carve out for yourself. But mm-hmm. I mean there were there were a lot of things where I was just like I, there were there was a lot of tape I was watching of him where I was just like oh you're just faster than everybody else in college. Yeah. But it wasn't like Davion Clowney where it was like, oh, no, you're just like ungodly fast. It was like, oh, no, you're just okay. You're quicker than everyone else. When you get to the next level, you're not going to be quicker than everyone else. So I just I have massive concerns about him getting swallowed the line. So if you want to take him to the sixth or seventh round, I think that's a fair, you know, maybe in the fifth. You can convince me there. Okay. Um, but, man, if you're talking about spending a third or fourth, I think you can find much better players because you have to factor in the fact the factor in the fact factor in the possibility and this happens every year <laughs> that there's always going to be a big time and i know it wasn't pass rusher but big time defensive player who falls in the draft and you know it was this last year or two years ago where nicobe dean everybody was like that's a that's a low-key like close first rounder and he fell all the way to what third round fourth round third to round, the eagles believe, yeah. third round to the eagles and you're gonna have that player do i take that player or do I take this player? I'm taking mm-hmm. that player. And That's it's just, it's one of those things like I see the promise there. I really do. Cause yes, he has that. And I look, I hate a couple draft, uh, you know, cliches. I tend to try to stay away from, but inevitably you fall into them. His motor's great. He's got a great motor of like, he's got no quit. There's no quit in that guy. I love that. And that's what makes him draftable. So keep that. But at the same time, you just gotta be realistic. So, I see more as a actually late day three project. Okay. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, I think this uh, East West Shrine game practice week, I think could definitely play into the factor as far as draft stock either up or down with all the prospects that we brought up for both the USC guys as well as the UCLA guys. Now, Tad, let's get to some non LAFB network guys. Let's get to some everybody else that, you know, who are some guys that you want to highlight that could have a good week that could really raise their stock over the course of this East West Shrine game practice week, as well as the game itself. So, uh, was a, a week ago or two weeks ago, uh, I'm driving home from work and I get a text from Merv, like, how could you not tell me? Like the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I love this story. <laughs> and it's just like, there's been a TCU player you need to tell me about. I'm just like, okay, Josh Newton. Cause we talked about him on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he just goes, no, 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 no. There is a TCU lineman named Willis Patrick. And, and that was news to me. I had no idea. But first off, that's awesome. That's Willis Patrick, that's so name. great. That's not so a typo, cool. people. That is like, not Patrick Willis. First name Willis, Willis Patrick. last name Patrick. I was like, 
You've got to be kidding me. You Amazing. can't make this up. <laughs> Amazing. So, no, I did not know that. Um, I'm not here to talk about him, though. Because, lo and behold, to my surprise, as I was doing research for this game, because I'm focusing more on the Senior Bowl. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I did not know yet another TCU lineman was invited to this game, and he is playing. And he is actually a guy who I did know, and he is a guy who I love. Andrew Coker. Oh, that God. man is a monster. So, Emmer, I'm not even – look, I know normally I'm like, you know, these school measurements are not accurate, and I do think he'll come in a little under these measurements. I don't think by much. Andrew Coker is 6'7", 325 pounds. I'm going to guess at the boy. combine it's going to be closer to 6'6", probably like 315. I don't expect it to That's be like – That's a big six, dude. That's a big he's dude. He's a big dude, and let me tell you, he is very fast and – very agile for okay. his size. So I really, really like this guy as a very good fifth, sixth round prospect where, because look, there is a lot. And just to show him not being a homer, there is a lot to work on with this game. He needs a lot of technique help and good guys. He very vulnerable to the bull rush. But if he goes to a team, like, I don't know the 49ers or I don't know the Eagles or the chiefs where you guys know, you're going to have a, you know, need a tackle in about two years. This is the perfect D&D guy, and I'm not talking Dungeons and Dragons. I am talking draft and develop. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> but I'm dead serious. Like, his athleticism, and plus he's a very smart player, too. There's a play during the Fiesta Bowl against Michigan, the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, who we beat, by the way. Gotta say that. Where there was a blitz by a defensive tackle that went completely unblocked. Terrible read by the guard. And I don't even remember the guard's name anymore. Coker read it. And Coker, because you could kind of tell Coker had no one to block. And he was just kind of like, where is everyone? And then he looked to his left and saw the tackle headed towards uh, Max Duggan, future, you know, Jets great. And then he just, and this is what I'm talking about with his athleticism is within three seconds, he crosses not the entire field, obviously about half the field blocks that uh, defensive tackle. And you know what play that was Quentin Johnson, 75 yard touchdown. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm telling you, there is a lot to like here with Coker. I think that he is going to impress a lot of people, both in practice with the size and in the game as well, as long as he can show, Hey, look, I'm big, I'm athletic. I just need a little bit of help with my technique and a little bit of help building up my strength. And we always talk about this on the podcast, building up strength. That's nothing in the NFL. So he just needs to build up his strength to be able to handle those bull rushers, handle his technique. So he can be a better pulling uh, tackle that dude. I'm telling you, it could be the next Vitae. And remember before people laugh at me, Vitae got like 60 mil from Detroit. Very, very true. And yeah, you, that's usually the case with these bigger offensive linemen that you're seeing just now that come in at like six, seven, six, six, is that they got the, you know, just physical presence. They usually have a good amount of speed as well, depending on the uh, offensive line that you're speaking about. But usually it's that technique aspect where it's yeah. like they're just so physically imposing that's just like obviously they're going to dominate at the college level. But once you get to the next level, that's where technique and footwork and all of that is going to play a bigger part of you succeeding as opposed to just you being dominant, uh, being a dominating presence. So, yeah, that can all get coached up as long as he's willing to take that sort of coaching and really just hone in on those skills to become a better overall offensive lineman. But, yeah, lots of promise based on what you're laying out there. So, yeah, if the Niners draft that guy to eventually be the successor to Trent Williams, I'll take that. 
I'll take that. Uh, so since we're talking about offensive linemen, I'll bring up the offensive linemen that I want to bring up here. But it's not a uh, tackle here. I want to bring up a guard. And that is the guard out of Boston College, Christian Mahogany. What a great last name, Mahogany. <laughs> the fine, rich Mahogany. Exactly. <laughs> natural joke there for sure uh but just guys he was such a dominating present for the eagles this past season first team all ccc all acc this past season he played in all the games unfortunately this was a big deal because he missed all the 2022 season with a torn acl so you wondered whether he could come back from that and be healthy and just be as uh, much of a dominant presence as he was before the injury he very much was. He's a powerful guard. He plays a very bully ball type of mentality. Like, I mean, he goes out there looking for trouble. Like, I mean, if his guy is not coming in, kind of like you're saying with Coker, where it's like he's sort of looking for a guy to block. Mahogany, like, if he doesn't have any real block, he will go and find. Like, he's willing to take on that extra work they like to call wow. it with offensive he, linemen. Where he it's went like, out uh, on that limb? <laughs> so not only is he, like, just taking on the uh, the uh, the instances where he needs to take on a defender, but it's like in case he doesn't have that blocky assignment, he is going to help chip with other defensive linemen. He's going to the second level on runs. Like, I mean, this guy is just a very dominating presence. He's very agile with his movement. I mean, he just easily gets to that next level to provide blocks on the linebackers and other defensive backs to obviously set up bigger runs. Um, good base. Like, I mean, based on the technique that I was watching with him, like, he's showing good technique. Like, I mean, he's got that all-around skill set, so he doesn't have to develop that much and he has no problem taking on that interior offensive lineman you're, you're saying he has a good trunk <laughs> quite a good one for sure i mean good awareness i mean this guy's just showing good football iq i think just the biggest thing that i think very similar to what you're bringing up with coker is that sometimes his physicality and his just over aggressiveness lets defenders slip by him because instead of just going for like trying to get the block set up in the passing game He's trying to get too aggressive to like actually pancake guys on a passing situation. Instead, you want to be setting up that wall. There are a lot of times where just his aggressiveness, his bully mentality lets defenders slip by then. And he ends up looking like, you know, he missed a block as opposed to like his aggressiveness just got the better of him and let the defender slip by there. So, I mean, I he, think there's he, a lot. of He tends to bend with the breeze. And with the breeze, that's a good one. Uh, but yeah, I think in the run game, he's definitely a pancake blocker for sure. There's a lot of things that you like. Definitely could still use some refinement in his footwork and just understanding his spacing on the passing play specifically as far as a pass protector. But there's a lot to like with this guy. And based on what I'm seeing, Tad, as far as practices are concerned, he is killing it during these Israel Shrine game practices as well. So he could be a guy on the rise over the course of the draft season here. I'm out of tree puns. I got nothing. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. All right. Well, with my next guy, uh, I don't know why I do this to myself. I'm going to try this. Okay. I'm probably going to fuck this up. You probably will. Yeah, I definitely am. This is a guy. All right. So, again, this segment is called Players to Watch. Not players I think are going to be good because I don't yes. think he's going to be good. This is just like stories that fascinate me. And this is a guy who, and I really do mean this. Depending on how he does on Thursday, he will decide whether he gets drafted or whether he doesn't. Because if he underperforms, this guy's not going to get drafted. It is Talua Tunga Vailoa? Talia. Oh, son of a bitch. Talia Tunga Vailoa. He's tall. tall say it again. Talia. Talia? Yeah. Oh, so like Talia Al Ghul. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. God damn it. We are such nerds. All right. 
You're the one who brought it up. <laughs> I, it, if, if it helps, it helps. I'll take it. So Talia, uh, what a weird story for this guy. So for yeah. those of you who don't know, this is uh, Tua Tagovailoa's big, or well, not def- definitely not big, definitely not big. Younger uh, brother. This is Tua's little brother, who is, by the way, the uh, is he the all-time Big Ten passing leader? I saw some stat about that. It's like he is. I don't remember that one. Yeah. He has some passing record in the Big Ten. Because uh, all Maryland did was throw it. They didn't run it at all with him. Mm. Um, but he applied to for his like sixth or seventh year of eligibility. The COVID is still messing all this up. By the way, did you see that uh, there's a tight end in Miami who's uh, entering his ninth year of college? I did see that. I did see that. That's amazing. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, unlike that guy, Tungavailo was denied his extra year of eligibility, which he was clearly fully expecting to be a part of. And so now all of a sudden he was like, Oh no, I need to enter the draft process. This was all about a week ago. Like last week, this was all coming down. Yeah. And so all of a sudden you like went in the triangle. And so now you got to play catch up because now all the scouts are like, Oh shit, you're in the game. Okay. Well now we need to start watching you. And look, so I watched a couple of his games uh, in preparation for this episode. And here's the frustrating thing with him is he'll have like four or five really. And this is the perfect game to watch. This is I'm telling you, uh, Google Talia Tungvaloa. Did I do that right? Close enough. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Google his game against Charlotte. Charlotte is the perfect game to watch this tape because okay. he has like four or five plays where you're like, why is this guy draft worthy? And then he'll add that one play where you're like, oh my lord, that throw. And it like he looks like his brother. And I know he probably hates that. He's gonna hear that a lot the next couple months. But like he delivers some dimes in that game but then he also has like four or five like straight bad really really bad plays and so i think that he's on the edge right now of like he's definitely not going to be like oh could he sneak in the second or third round no he's out of that it's like could he be a guy you know that we take and he has you know he's pretty athletic if he has a bad game in the shrine bowl on thursday he's not getting drafted i can tell you that right now his tape is not impressive enough to draft him if he can nail some of those throws that I was talking about, where some of those really deep, tight win- window throws, all of a sudden it's like, maybe this guy is worth a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick. So it's that's why he's the most interesting player for me to watch because he's not. And this is the thing a lot of people mistake about uh, with Tua as well. He's not a runner. Given his size, people assume he's a runner. He's not. He's athletic for sure, but he's not a runner. So it all depends on can you nail those throws. And can, if you can nail those throws, then 100%. I think that he will solidify himself as a draftable quarterback, especially because he's looks really good in practice, but that makes sense because he's very physically gifted. Those quarterbacks always look good in shorts. So I think he's going to kill it as pro day. I think that his draft stock is just going to go up from here. But if he has a really bad performance on Thursday, I don't care how much it goes up people are going to get scared off. So if he does well on Thursday, plus on his pro day, I think he will be, end up being like a sixth or seventh round pick. But if he sucks on Thursday, his hopes of getting drafted are over. I will be fascinated to see how he does. That's an interesting one. Cause yeah, with this quarterback class, I think it's just, obviously we're talking about the guys at the it's top all over the place. Like this is going to be so in hard the middle predict, and towards the end. It's going to be yeah, interesting. So it's like, yeah, he very much could be a guy that got drafted purely because of the project aspect and his sort of brother connection there. But it could also be a situation where it's just like, yeah, if he hurts himself in any way, either playing the game or it is pro day or whatever it is like, yeah, he could definitely run the risk of being undrafted as well. So 
I want to close this out by talking about an edge rusher for the University of Utah, and that is Jonah Ellis. And, Tad, I don't know if you've seen any tape of this guy, but, I mean, this I guy not. looks like a very dynamite type of pass rusher. He's got the NFL pedigree in front of him and behind him as well. His dad, Luther, was a very famous uh, pass rusher for the uh, uh, Atlanta Falcons. He was a pro bowler with them. All three of his brothers are on NFL rosters right now. His brother's Caden. Christian and Noah Ellis. So they're on T all on teams of the NFL. So this guy is just going to be the next guy in line. Very similar to like the Watt family and the Kurkowski family. Like the Ellis family is like, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's go back to the stations here. My God level there, but just, Tad, he is a 2023 consensus all American. He's a two time all pack 12 edge rusher. I mean, just excellent jump off the ball. Like, I mean, this guy's anticipation off that jump from the center is just like amazing. He just instantly can recognize that the play is happening, gets into the backfield very quickly. I mean, he just has a good, good skill set with talking about getting uh, the best of his opposition. We we're sort of talking about some other pass rushers with UCLA and uh, USC, where it's just like, they don't have that buried skill set. Ellis has that skill set where it's like, I'm seeing a lot of these different moves. He's not amazing at any of these moves, but at least he has that different skill set. So he, like, he understands, like there's a couple times where it's like, he'd use a spin move on a couple of guys and it wasn't working. So I was like, all right, let me try an up and under move. And then that works. And then once they figure that out, he's like, all right, let me try a counter move. So it's like, he's constantly coming with a varied attack. And that's what you want when you have a skill set. That's like, everything is not great. I mean, everything is not elite, but if everything is great, then that's how you can sort of get to the backfield consistently and that's what i see a lot with ellis but he's also got good speed to come off the edge too so i mean they're lining up on the left side the right side they're bringing up up the middle as well i mean just a strong upper body i mean there's a lot of times tad where it's like he's being held well not held but he's like he's being contained that's probably the better word there by an offensive lineman but he's able to still reach with his right hand and get a hold of the quarterback and bring him down like i mean he has that much strength that he's able to display so not only was he being taken care of as far as being blocked off but it's like he was still able to work through that and still get to the ball carrier and stop the quarterback from making a play or disrupt the pass or bring a ball carrier down in the backfield. So, I mean, this guy just shows a lot of good raw power as well. Um, in the run game, he wasn't as good as setting a good edge. So, it's like, you know, containing the run, obviously, or letting other people come around him then. So, it's like that's something he could definitely work on as far as being a better run defender, as far as just being a pass defender. Um, also, the big thing with him is that while he shows good speed, He's sort of a upper body type of guy. Mm. So he's got a lot of big, he's got a better upper body than lower body. So because of that, he's not good at bending around off his alignment that you see with like a Von Miller or like, you know, Demarcus Ware was really good bend E2. Well, I mean, to be fair, Von Miller got paid what, like, $5 $5 million per tackle this year. So yeah, maybe not the best those guy. Lines. But yeah, just like model. coming out of college too, is just That's like they right. had that skill yeah. set where it's like they could sort of make that bend and really get under offensive alignment. So uh, Joe Ellis is not going to show you that type of skill. So he's relying more on his power and his skill set as far as his buried moves to get past the offensive alignment. So that's not something he's going to bring, but definitely what I could see from him. And if he could sort of show that he could recover from, he had um, season ending toward labrum surgery mm. this past season towards the end of the season. So if he could sort of recover from that, I don't know how much playing time he'll get in this game during this practice week, as well as the game itself. I think he's probably there mainly just for interviews, but if he gets invited to the combine and he has his pro date, that's where he can sort of showcase his skills again. I think this is a guy that's like, you see the potential, like I said, he had a fantastic 2023 season, fortunately got cut just a little bit short because of the injury, but there's a lot to like with Jonah Ellis. So you're saying he's no stump. 
<laughs> That's enough of those jokes for sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, I'll leave now. Please do. Please do. <laughs> but yeah, Jonah Ellis is a guy that definitely, I think he could improve his stock quite a bit and he could sort of enter that conversation of being a day two type of edge rusher. No, and I'll say this as well as the reason I kind of like perked up when you were like, Oh, just the interview only guy is cause I got really excited when I saw his name and I totally forgot just how badly he got hurt. Uh, the, the quarterback I was going to choose was Jordan Travis mm-hmm. and a uh, very interesting name that he apparently met with just yesterday. Apparently, according to reports is, uh, Jordan Travis sat down with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so interesting. very interesting, kind of like using that as a kind of pre combine combine type of event. So, uh, yes, no, it, it, look, the shrine bowl does not get all the love the senior bowl does, but it's still a massive event, especially. And that's what I love about the shrine bowl is, Look, you didn't get invited to the Senior Bowl. Okay, you still got a shot. And that's what I love about the draft is there are just so many small school guys. I mean, for the love of God, we had the last pick of the freaking draft about to play for the biggest title in the game in just a couple of weeks. Congratulations, by the way. Um, oh, my father is <laughs> very pissed off. I'm uh, sure he was. <laughs> along with a lot of America because, yeah, the Niners were definitely the villain this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but bottom line being is like, that's what I love so much about the draft is like these guys, some of the guys we've talked about, hopefully some of the guys we haven't talked about is going to be big. Unfortunately, we're not doing a live stream of the Shrine Bowl, but you can bet we are going to do a Shrine Bowl's winner and losers episode coming up. So be sure to keep tuning in for that because guys, draft season is just underway. And plus, don't forget, we're doing award show coverage too, baby. Not live coverage. Good God, we're not covering that live. But, you know, a little bit like Fallout Reaction, that's on its way as well. No, and it's actually funny that you bring up the live stream tab because 100% we're doing our third annual Senior Bowl live stream. So that's going to be happening this weekend. So definitely check out all your social media handles. You see the ticker down below. You got me at Arbiside23. You got Tad at Tad the Side 94 Got the show handle at the Decide Guys. And of course on Instagram at the Decide Guys as well. So I mean, guys, we're going to be doing a live stream of the Senior Bowl. We're going to have a lot of friends with us. We're going to be covering the game, talking about all the prospects in that game, talking about some other stuff in the offseason as well, you know, non college related, but just a lot of great content for you if you want some draft content that is the thing to check out even just for a portion of the time but even if you can't catch it live it will be available on demand as well so make sure you check out that content like tad said this is sort of the tip of the iceberg there's a lot more content that we're going to be delivering to you with like we talked about the combine it's going to happen and then the pro days and then the nfl offseason and the nfl awards and obviously we're going to get to uh, the nfl draft at the very end of april so i mean tons of content that's going to be coming your way but guys make sure you subscribe or listen to your podcast Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you're supporting our parent network at LAFB Network. They're giving you a lot of great content when it comes to the Rams and the Chargers at the NFL level and the Trojans and the Bruins when it comes to the college level. So they're giving you a lot of great content. And guys, I mean, just everybody who's already subscribed to our podcast, who's listening, who's watching, who's interacting with us on social media. I mean, just anything and everything that you're doing, guys, we really can't thank you enough. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Our numbers have been great, and that's only because of you guys, our loyal, loyal listeners, viewers, and followers. So keep following. We're going to bring you awesome, awesome draft content. And as always, everyone, please stay safe.